Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. Today, you will hear from Jessica Sacone, who is a speech pathologist in private practice in Houston, Texas. She's only been in private practice for about a year and a half, but she is building her private practice with SLPAs. Jessica used to be an SLPA. That's how she got her start. But after becoming a licensed speech pathologist and deciding to start a private practice, she's actually staffing her practice with SLPAs. And this is really helping her grow very quickly. So Jessica's story is absolutely wonderful, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Here's Jessica. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high-quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners And these are our stories. All right. So before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Of course. Yeah. I am so excited to be on the podcast um, just starting out. But my name is Jessica Sacone. I was originally Jessica Holly. So I'm both names, but, you know, Jessica Holly Sacone could be my long name. (laughs) My practice is Thrive Speech Therapy. And we are located in the Houston, Texas area, more specifically in the suburbs, Cypress area. But we do provide services in our clients' homes, their daycares, ABA centers, or private schools. Our entire model is, quote, we come to you. So we try to make it flexible on the parent schedules, and that has drastically increased our caseload seems to be what works best for parents and what works best for us in the long run. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's good to set yourself apart, right? Like that is a different model, right? Right. So listeners, one of the things I've tried to like convey to you on the show in this episode, I'm sure will be another example of this is that there's a lots of different ways to have private practices. And just because I think a lot of us started off thinking that having a brick and mortar location with a waiting room with an aquarium and a 
<laughs> subscriptions to highlights magazine or whatever was like the way to do it. People are doing it lots and lots of different ways. So I can't wait to hear Jessica, how you got started before we talk about your practice. Tell us a little bit about your career as an SLP before you started thinking about this. Yeah. So in 2012, while I was in undergraduate school, I worked as what's called a rehab technician. If you're not familiar with that, it was based in a long-term care facility. So during my work there, I did things like cleaning equipment, filing papers, scheduling appointments, transporting patients from their rooms to the actual gym was what they called it. It was a group of physical therapists, occupational and speech all in one gym there at the long-term facility. And it was actually located right across from my undergraduate school. So I was lucky in that way that if I had a four hour break, I could just jump over quickly and work a little bit and then come back. My boss was awesome about that. Then once I entered grad school, that was in 2015, but I started working as a speech pathologist assistant in 2016. And I worked in the school systems here in Houston while also attending graduate school in the evenings on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So that was very packed schedule, but it was well worth it for where I am now. So then I obviously graduated, did my clinical fellowship there in the school. And then in May, 2019, I officially took the leap and started my private practice, but we can back up because there was a lot of in between. So I didn't just jump out and begin my practice. I definitely followed some of the work part-time after hours, after work, had that double job on the side. So yeah. yeah. when it sounds like you've, you've not been a stranger to either being in school and working or starting to work, having kind of two jobs, one Right on top of the other. And that is, I I mean, I think it's the best way to do it because it minimizes some of the risk. At what point when you were in that school job, did you start thinking about maybe seeing some clients on the side? So initially, while I was under in undergraduate school, I had always told all of my friends and anybody that I met saying, one day I'm going to have my own private practice. One day I'm going to have my own private practice. And at that time, I had this vision in my head, oh, a brick and mortar office. I thought the exact same thing you said, you know, aquarium in the front, <laughs> highlight subscription out, <laughs> magazine out front. And then I be- came across your book and I bought it and read the entire thing in one day because I'm crazy like that and was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. That was in October of 2018. So after I read the entire book, the very next day, I set up a website, a tax ID, and then uh, formed a P here in Texas. It's a PLLC. So then in October, I thought, okay, I'm ready to go. People are just going to come to me. Great. Of course, then I drug my feet and said, oh, I'm too busy at school. I can't take on anybody. And it wasn't until February of 2019 that I had my first mom contact me. And she said that she was needing some additional help with her son who had a diagnosis of autism. So I spent 45 minutes every Sunday at her house starting in February, 2019. Slowly from there, I started building on building on by May of 2019. So a few months later, while I was finishing out the school year, I was seeing 10 patients a week in the evening. So 
I would typically work from like 7 a.m., 8 a.m. to about 9 p.m. at night. So some very long days, but well worth it. Yeah. So then by June, I had about 12 patients or 12 clients. And in July 2019, I became contracted with Blue Cross Blue Shield and as well as Cigna. And from then on, it's been, hold on, buckle your seatbelt because we're going. (laughs) So that's kind of how things evolved. I was just, I appreciated everything that I learned in the school systems, but I was noticing that the individualized attention I could give to kids was making a greater impact than the group instruction I was providing in the school. So that really encouraged me to go that route as well as future planning for family and flexibility of what I would like to see my life like. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people really start to have that internal conflict of feeling like they're not able to do as good of a job when they're in like the, the, a school with, you know, a huge caseload and a ton of different kids on their caseload and trying to do these mixed groups and whatnot. And then all of a sudden they start just with one client on the side And it really is liberating to think like, wow, I can make my own decisions for this child and I can do exactly what they need versus what someone else is telling me. Exactly. And having to follow TEKS is what we have in Texas. I'm not really sure what it is around, even around the world. But yes, what I love most about the private practice is getting to meet with parents and saying, what are your specific goals for your child? We don't have to follow a school guideline of does it go in with their lesson plans with the school? Say it's a kid with autism and their parents say, my goal is for my kid to be able to be a greeter and be confident enough to do that at Walmart. Okay, great. So we're going to do a lot of practice. We're going to build the skills for that so that when that kid turns 16 or whatever their parent wants them to do it, that we're going to get there. So that's what I truly love about private practice. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you also ramped up like slowly and then a little bit quicker, right? Up to 10. And then you're right. As soon as you get those insurance contracts, <laughs> that's when things really speed up. So what was that transition like for you? And and how is that going so far? Scary was the initial transition for sure. And I remember at one point calling Blue Cross Blue Shield and telling them, I have no idea what I'm doing. And the, one of the people working there was like, unfortunately, we don't have any kind of training for you. You can read online, but it's just kind of what I learned was it was a a trial and error. And initially I hate to say this, but initially in the first six months, I did lose some thousand dollars (laughs) making the mistakes. But when you pay for a mistake, you learn not to make those mistakes again and you get your prior authorizations and make sure their deductibles are there and all of that. So definitely I would say terrifying, scary at the beginning. And now I'm scared to be without those contracts. (laughs) I really appreciate both Blue Cross Blue Shield and Cigna that I'm contracted with. Now that I have a a hang of things, I would say 90% of my referrals, 95% of my referrals simply come from a new client looking up on their provider list on their insurance website. They see that I'm in their area and then they give me a call and it, it, it goes fast. Now I'm at a point where I get about five new referrals a week through insurance. So 
love it. Wow, that's <laughs> I love awesome. It. And so is it is it just you or do you have other people helping you? Because that would be an insane volume for one person. <laughs> so in October of 2019, yes, last year, I hired my first assistant and I was freaked out. And what do I do? And what am I legally going to get into here? And Oh, it was the best decision I ever made. She, she helped me take on so many new clients and expand so much quicker. And she was amazing. She just recently had to transition on and just last month stopped working for me. And that was very difficult, but I will say for the last year, she has been a godsend and patient with me and learning as I became a new boss. And I think the biggest thing that I did initially was just telling her, you know, this is my first rodeo. So tell me how I can best help you. That gave me confidence. And as the caseload grew, I now have three SLPAs on board looking to hire more because I try to keep my personal caseload under 10. And it's usually just the ones that I've had for a very long time, or I feel like my expertise can help them the most. And then everybody else, I need that time to supervise and bill insurance and all kinds of other things. So I'm at three right now, but uh, if we were talking projections for the next year, and I don't know if you want to get into that, but (laughs) yeah, I'll get into anything. Yeah, definitely in the next year, looking to bring on another fully licensed SLP and hopefully by the end of next year, have a team of 10 total. So that's that's the goal for 2021. And I'm hoping that I anticipate we will be there with the way things have been going. So <laughs> which isn't that, that crazy. So right now at the time of this recording, it's November of 2020. So we're still, you know, very much in coronavirus, but we're exactly. you know, we had like the really awful sort of well, it's still awful, but March, April, that whole whole period, which was really very hard on private practitioners. Yes. And then really in the last couple of months almost every established private practice owner that I've talked to is saying like, we are growing so fast. We have so many referrals. I need to hire more people. And so while it was really scary there for a while, like things have really turned a corner and, and most people feel like they're in a really good place right now. And it sounds like you are too. I completely agree. You know, back in March, I can, just like everybody else didn't know what to do. So we just completely shut down. And for a month, I mean, I use simple practice for all my billing. So you can, it's great. You can look at projections for the month. Literally in April, it says like zero was the income. And it was scary. It was very scary because, you know, I had just at the beginning of March hired my second SLPA. And a couple of weeks later, everything's shutting down right and left. And that was a very scary time. But now, exactly what you're saying as the other private practitioners are is, you know, things have expanded so much that I'm like, Oh my goodness, I need to hire. I just hired and now I need to hire again. And it's like, uh, it's, it's an amazing blessing. It's amazing difficulty, I guess, a trouble problem to have. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you've navigated it also, you know, like in not that long of a time, right? Like Right. Started off just you really kind of hustling after, after work and whatnot to see all these clients. And all of a sudden when you started to get more referrals, like you knew that you couldn't do all of that on your own, right? There's only so many hats that you can wear. 
yeah. right? So now figuring out, okay, well, what hats do I do I want to wear, right? And like, right. How, how are you kind of figuring that out? Like, what do you love doing in your business? And what do you, like, either you love delegating or you can't wait to be able to have somebody to delegate that to? Right. So I would definitely say I initially thought, oh, I'm going to have a receptionist that's going to answer the phones and all of that. But I've had a lot of feedback from new clients saying they really love that I'm the person that answers the phone first. And I think that's truly something I love is being able to be the first person to talk to the parents to ensure what our company stands for is what they are going to get. And then being there at that first initial evaluation to set a good foot and set us off on the right path. That's definitely been one of my more favorite parts. Also seeing parents come to us either to me or to any of my assistants and say, I'm shocked. I never knew that my kid could do this. Mm -hmm. And just that satisfaction on parents' faces we had a, 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 he's just turned two when he started, he was not even babbling. And now like four months in, he's combining three and four words and mom's just over the moon about it. And it's so cool to see parents respond that way. And I guess on the flip side, it's hard to say what I like to delegate because that's something I could definitely improve in. <laughs> I, I think probably many private practitioners can agree to this, that it's hard to let go of your baby and let go of this thing you've been growing and saying, okay, I trust someone else to do this. A big thing I would love to do is hand off billing. I would love to do that, but from initially losing money because I was still learning, I'm so scared to make that mistake again, that I'm reserved, but I know that's going to have to happen in the next couple of months, especially as we're growing. So <laughs> that's definitely something I look forward to passing off. <laughs> but it's always, you know, there's growing pains. Anytime that you right. have, whether it's a business or something else, it's like, okay, there, there's sometimes a cost to growing, right? right. But the, the cost of, of not growing <laughs> is much greater, right? So it's yeah. like, okay, even if you made a couple of little mistakes or whatever that, that costs some money, like, just like you said, you learned from those errors and know not to make them again, right? Or certainly minimize the chances of that happening um, in the future. I also really like that you got your start as an SLPA and right. are now having SLPAs really staff your, your company. Was that right. a conscious decision? Like when you were saying early on that you wanted to have a private practice and you were telling everybody about it way early on, is that something that you knew that you wanted to do? Yes. I would say so. I mean, the SLPAs that I have on right now have that hunger to learn, that hunger to see improvements in the kids. And that's what I love. I love that commitment. And so far I've experienced that with SLPAs. I love it. The only thing and the only drawback is obviously some of the supervision requirements needed and for ASHA, I think it's four, you can have four assistants on your license. So it's some of those more just technical things that I would love to have a practice full of assistants, but that's not <laughs> ethical or legal in any, any form. But yeah, I, I would say that, you know, I try to ensure that my employees understand this is I would not be where I am today without them because they are, they are the ones putting in all the hours, putting in all the work. 
I have one assistant who's just fabulous. And even today on a Sunday, she's sending me resources. What do you think about this? Should we order this to learn about for client X or how about this workshop? Should we enroll in this workshop? And I just love that. I love that hunger for knowledge and wanting to always improve for sure. When it sounds, it sounds like that also fits within your core values, right? Right. When you have a business and especially when you start bringing people in, I think one of the reasons why a lot of times SLPs are reluctant to, as you said, you know, you've built this baby, you know, your business and reluctant to pass stuff off is because you want to make sure that whoever you're passing it off to is obviously going to do a good job and represent company well and all that other kind of stuff, but is also part of whatever your core values are. Right. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that you said early in the episode was that, that your practice, your whole thing is like, you want to make this easy for parents and you want to go into the homes and whatnot. And I think right. that that also is, is got to be part of your core values as a company, right. And has also helped set you apart from other maybe competitors mm-hmm. in your area. Right. Definitely. I mean, I have my core values written out in my phone so that I can reflect and look back on them. But, but one of them is family first, and that's not just family first of the of the clients we're seeing, but it's family first of the employees I have. The whole reason I started a private practice is so that one day when I'm raising my kids, I can have the flexibility to be mom, to be there when I need to go to the soccer game or the parent-teacher meeting. And that's what I tell my employees is, if you need time off to do whatever, run to the dentist, go up to the school, let me know. We're flexible because family first at the end of the day, you don't spend your life with this one job. You spend your life with your family and that's what's most important. So definitely, I agree. Oh, I love that so much. <laughs> so you've talked a little bit about what's next for your company in terms of projections, which is, is a word I love, love when people talk about like yeah. <laughs> nice business terms like that. But what are some some other things that you would like to be doing either in your practice? You know, what what would you say is your like goals for your future? in terms of your private practice? So recently in this last week, I had a parent reach out to me that needed some additional support in the school. They were at an ARD meeting and admission review dismissal. I'm not sure if that's what it's called, maybe an IEP meeting everywhere else, but essentially she was just needing a little bit of support. And so I rewrote some of the things that we did and detailed out a lot of those strategies we're using during, during the uh, session so that we could see the same carryover in the schools. There was a difficulty that he wasn't progressing there, but was progressing with us and they wanted to know why. So then the mom approached me with, you should really give talks, give speeches about this, you know, train others. And that's something I would love to do, you know, is I don't know what that would look like, but somewhat similar to, I guess, what you do, you encourage people to start a private practice. I would love to encourage people to know how to use a certain strategy or help parents with kids with autism to help their child develop socially. And I think I would love to make that as part of the practice. Another thing we did, or I did initially, was what I called a social skills group. And this was a group where If your kid had difficulties with social skills, we met in a very small group of four and the skills were 
tailored to that group specifically. That is something I loved, but it was a lot of work. And as I was expanding and really didn't have an official meeting place, it was difficult. So I would say if my practice ever evolved to where we had a brick and mortar, I would love to start something like that up again with any kind of social skills group, especially for our preteens, young adults. I think that would be very helpful as well. Well, I think that's also would be very much in demand, right? right? It would be something that I think a lot's the kind of thing a lot of families are looking for. And they may be able to get that to some degree in the schools, but not probably to the level that they're that they're hoping for. I also, I I love that you said, like thinking about adding an education component to your practice. That's something that I really, really highly recommend that people do. There was an episode a while back with Jesse Ginsburg that I also highly recommend that people check out. She has a program called autism from the inside out Mm -hmm. and she's grown her private practice in Los Angeles. And now she has this big thriving private practice, just like you're destined to have. So now she's turned her efforts to, I mean, she still, you know, runs and manages her practice and whatnot, but in order to take her impact and income to the next level, she now is doing some of these courses. So that is absolutely something that you should think about doing. And and listeners, you should think about doing that too. You know, at some point, Your ability to serve people, if you want to serve more people, you can either hire more people, and Mm -hmm. that's really something that that you're doing a lot of, but at some point you may think, okay, I have enough people working for me. How can I impact more families without like having direct service, right? And so having information products, education services is a wonderful way to do that. So I would definitely encourage you at some point to do that yourself. And I, and I love that. And I think it kind of relates to what you've said. It was either in a podcast or in a book or something where it was talking about passive income and establishing that where, just like you said, you can hire, 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 but something where you put out those resources that people can consume and you're not having to give that physical work into, but you're still making that impact. And my husband is very tech savvy. And so is my best friend. So they've both encouraged me, Oh, we should develop an app together. We should develop an app. So that I'm terrified of technology. So I would definitely need to lean on them for that. But something of that sort, we are, as we saw with COVID definitely moving towards a tech world and we are already there and in the way that telemedicine is, is serviced. So it would be Definitely interesting to do and depending on how that looks for sure. Yeah. Well, and that's something you can always try. You can always experiment with. And then if it ends up leading to something like fantastic and and what you want, whatever your goals are, then great. If you try it and you're like, eh, like this isn't maybe bringing in enough money or this is a a lot more work than whatever, then you can say, okay, you know what? maybe we're not going to do this, right? There's plenty of things that I've done in my business that I've done and they've been great. And there's other things that have been like, okay, so therefore like not worth it to maybe continue with. But that's one of the things that's great as business owners is that you can look at the numbers and in terms of income and in terms of time and say, okay, is this worth it or not? Right. But one thing that sometimes happens with that, that people talk about is like, uh, like mommy and me classes or, or parent classes. And there's some people who put a lot of energy to that and then they don't get 
like as much money coming in for it. And so then they're not sure whether to do it or not. But some of those groups, the the money and the revenue generated isn't always in the courses, like the individual ones that you're doing, but in the amount of referrals it generates over time, right? So there's a lot of factors to look at. And I have a great thing to relate exactly to that is in the very beginning, while I was still in the schools on Monday nights, once a month, I met, I held a group called the it was called like the social skills game night, I think. And it was at the local frozen yogurt shop. And I put an invite out on all of the mom Facebook groups and just kind of said, Hey, offering a free game night for any kids that either have speech services or may need speech services or parents are just interested in getting that additional practice service time out there. So what it did was it had a lot of parents come in and put their information in. So I got their emails, I got their phone numbers, and then to meet me face to face. That was initially how I got many referrals. And like you said, I put in time, I put in money, I made little takeaway gift bags that had my information and all of that. And during that time, I'm like, I'm not making any money. This is free, but it helped tenfold because I could put my foot in the door in those mom Facebook groups. And it wasn't just like, I'm advertising my business. It was more like, "Ah, I'm providing this free service, but while I'm also telling you about my business and that ended up becoming really great for me, definitely. Well, and that's you providing a service, right? Sometimes people get really nervous about, well, I don't want to be pushy. You know, I, I you know, I hear people all the time like, right. I don't want to, I don't want to be pushy. It's like, well, like nothing that you that you just said sounded pushy at all, right? You mm-hmm. offered this this these free events or whatever. You gave people some little gift basket things or whatever that had your card in it, and you told people that you had a business, right? Which which you know is part of the whole thing. But like, mm-hmm. it wasn't like you know people showed up and you're like, oh, your kids, you oh, you definitely need therapy, and I'm the one to do right. it, you know. Right. Exactly. That That is being pushy. Right. And that's exactly. unless you're a pushy person, you're not going to be a pushy business owner. Right. I agree. And right along those same lines was one thing that continues to help me now is on my website, it's uh, thrivespeech.org. I have a link in there to free, it's quote, a free screening tool. And The tool, it doesn't claim to offer any valid results or tell you, oh, for sure your child's delayed or not, but it's rather a framework of what a typically typical developing speech should look like. And it has parents on an online form answer questions. They can put in their name, they put in their email address, their phone number, and then answer a few questions based on the age range of their child. That in turn gets sent directly to me where I can review it and then give the parents a call. Hey, I saw this. This is typical. This may need a further look at it, but here's my number. Here's my contact if you want to reach out. And so I've had a lot of new referrals that way as well, which has been great and another free resource to put out there. Definitely. Yeah. And you're also then starting to build a connection, right? When you collect emails like in that way and you're you're doing this as part of like this like kind of mini assessment or whatever to see whether or not the child needs something or whatever, you're also establishing trust that you are like a trusted professional who is providing some information. So in in my 
courses and what I, I talk about leading with education. So you're really leading with education and you're providing a free resource that is educating the families like on whether or not there's something to be concerned about or not. And then you're just presenting that you are an option of someone who can help them. Right. And in most cases, people are like, oh yeah, well, obviously you sent, you seem great. Like that was wonderful. Thanks for following up. Right. There may be other people who are like, okay, thanks. And then like go to somebody else or whatever. Exactly. In most cases, people are like, oh no, this is, this is wonderful. What we might as well, you know, stick with you or whatever. And then boom, you have another referral. Exactly. I totally agree. And, and it's also another way to get in those mom Facebook groups or talking casually with someone you meet. Oh, well, if you have a concern with your kid, you should check out my website. Here's a free screening tool, you know, aside from saying check with your pediatrician and all of that. But most pediatricians will say, oh, just wait it out. (laughs) And we know early intervention is key. But anyways, it's, it's, it's a good resource to put out there other than just saying check with your pediatrician, you know, without, like you said, being too pushy. Yeah, absolutely. So before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to share, like either about your journey or advice that you may have to the people who are listening to the show? Yeah, definitely. I would just say that I don't really regret or would like to change anything about my career necessarily, but I definitely had some challenges as we all do in our jobs. And I thought, I remember looking and thinking, when can I retire from the schools? Because I'm so tired. And it was, was, I had just begun and I thought this can't possibly be all there is for me. So really taking that leap, taking that calculated risk is what I like to say is taking on a few clients on the weekends, on the evenings, there are tons of parents out there that need additional support and they love somebody on the weekend. I try absolutely not to see anybody on the weekend now, as I try to just have those days for my family, but There are so many parents out there saying, well, Saturday and Sunday we're off. We would love for some additional help. So really putting yourself out that way and being encouraged, even if you just get those one or two in the very first few months, the longer you go and with insurance being key, you'll definitely expand for sure. Oh, I totally agree. That's wonderful advice. And I, I think a lot of people feel the same way. Like they get, I mean, I know early in my career, I was like just out of getting my C's and I was like, oh, I, and I worked at a, a rehabilitation hospital. So I, I wasn't in the schools, but I also had that same feeling of like, is this all there is? Or feeling stuck and feeling a little worried that I had just, I just invested all this money and time in graduate school. And what if this career was more limiting than I thought, given that one of the reasons why I chose it was because I thought there was a lot of flexibility and it turns out that it's it's not, I mean, it can be fle- flexible, but the most flexible scenario is to have your own business in your own private practice where you're the one who's setting the hours and choosing the clients and everything else. Exactly. And it goes even further on to just beyond a private practice. I'm now wanting to tell my friends and tell my siblings, start your own business. I can't tell you how thankful I am now that I have the flexibility to do what I want to do. And it's whether it's a private practice or starting a jewelry business or whatever, it's, I'm so thankful for where I'm at now. Definitely. Well, can you remind the listeners where they can find out about you either? I know you said your, your website, you can say that again. And then if you have any other like social media links or anything like that. Yeah, of course. So my business is thrive speech therapy. So that's T H R I V E 
You can find my website at thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, speech.org. And on there, there's lots of resources, like I said, like that free screening tool. You're welcome to take that and copy it in any way that you want to, to, to further your business. And then, and then we also do have a few socials. We are at Thrive Speech Therapy, whether that's on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. We, we try to cover all the bases. It goes through ebb and flow. And then if you have any questions, you can always reach out at info at thrivespeech.net is my email. So be happy to answer any questions or give any help. We are located in the Houston, Texas area, but we do travel as far up as the woodlands all the way down to Sugarland, if you're familiar with the area. So I'd love to help anybody that's just starting out and they have some questions. I know it's scary at the beginning, but it's so worth it. Well, thank you so much. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for being a listener and then just sharing for people what your journey has looked like, right? Because every single person who chooses this path has a different outcome, right? And what their practice, what they think they might want might change over the years. So thank you for sharing what your private practice looks like. And I also really liked learning about, you know, how you're having SLPAs helping your business and then, and really just how much you've grown despite all of the unknowns and everything with COVID. So good for you for not only starting your business, but growing it (laughs) during a global pandemic. That is absolutely amazing. Well, thank you so much for the resources that you've put out because it was definitely a light and a very dark and scary place at the very beginning. And it continues to be any, if you're not a part of the Facebook group, SLP private practice beginners, that's been answers to so many questions that I've had. So love it and love all the resources. So thank you so much for having me on and all the educational tools you provide to us practitioners. Happy to do it. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Okay. So how fabulous is Jessica, right? Jessica knew she wanted to have a private practice. So she started out as an SLPA. Then she went to grad school, became an SLP. And basically as soon as she was able, decided to start her private practice and then used SLPAs as staff and employees to help build her private practice. She is growing at a rapid rate, which is really cool for someone who hasn't been at this for very long. She's looking to hire another SLP so that also she can take on more SLPAs, and she's really helping people in her community in Houston get the services that they need. There are people in your community who need services. If you are able to provide them, seeing them through your own private practice is a great way to do it. If you've been thinking about this, if you've been listening to this for a long time, but you haven't decided to take the next step yet, the next step is to watch my free training, which you can access at startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar. This training lasts about an hour and will teach you more about private practice in 60 minutes than you ever learn in grad school. Again, you can head over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar to sign up. And if you know you want to do this, get on the wait list for Start Your Private Practice. We open periodically. And if you want to be the first to know the next time we reopen, you can hop on the wait list at startyourprivatepractice.com backslash wait list. And we will let you know as soon as we reopen. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. Now that you've listened to the episode, I want to invite you to a free training. Do you have a business background? Most SLPs who go into private practice don't. You went to grad school, not business school, but here you are trying to start or grow a private practice. 
The good news is business skills can be learned and I want to help you make solid decisions on how to start and grow your private practice so you can serve your community and build a legacy while doing therapy on your own terms and your own time and yes, make more money. I want to invite you to my free training specifically to help SLPs get the background information you need to know in order to be successful. There are two tracks, the start track and the grow track, because the needs of beginners and growth level private practitioners are very different. The trainings are short but thorough and can be consumed and put into action quickly. I want to teach you how to think, act, and behave like the private practitioner you are meant to be so that you can step into the vision you have for your private practice and your life. And the best part, these trainings are completely free. To register right now, simply visit independentclinician.com, click start or grow, and we can get started right now. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independentclinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.